Hello, Agile people. Welcome back to Agile for Life. This is a podcast where we have conversations about continually improving in life. So happy to have you here with us today and to hear about a pretty exciting topic. Oh, as, yeah. As I always Build say. Build that up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, as I always say. Uh-huh. Drum roll, please. We really need to get sound effects on here. <laughs> we'll work on that. I'll see if I can yeah. find a drum roll. Yeah. Today, uh, Aaron and I will be having a conversation about uh, business agility. And um, our hope is that this is informative and you learn something that you can take away from this and improve on uh, your life. Uh, but more importantly, if you have a company that you work for, <laughs> maybe you can apply some of these practices. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Aaron, to kick things off, yeah. when I say tomato, you say tomato. No. <laughs> always, always. Just because that's, that's how we have to roll. When I say business agility, what does that mean to you? What I've come to believe it means, maybe not where I started some years ago, is the abstraction of the agile principles that get applied to organizational dynamics, where IT technology is not necessarily involved, even though that's where agile has a lot of its roots. Okay. All right. So that's, it's abstracting away from what people traditionally think about agile. Um, well, mm-hmm. if, if you're in, in our world, um, mm-hmm. I, I say that with caution because some people truly, truly think is... they're acrobats, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, someone who, who works in uh, information technology probably mm-hmm. thinks agile directly correlates to that and that alone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I think that's an, a, a reasonable understanding because, uh, for folks that do have our background, that's where we're used to, to seeing it and thinking about it. And so it's a bit mind-bending sometimes to figure out, okay, well, now how do I apply this? But this is what we're doing on this podcast, right? This is mm-hmm. just a natural extension. In fact, it came before the concept of what we're trying to do on the podcast, where we're saying you've got the professional life, by which you and I mean uh, the technology world, and then yeah. the personal life. Now it's like, okay, how does this imp- Impact other organizations. We're calling it business agility because that's a thing out there. People have yep. conferences on this now and write books on it now and stuff. Yeah. But it's really organizational because you could apply this in a in a school setting. You could apply this in a nonprofit setting. You could apply this in a business setting, which implies making money, uh, which is not always the case organizationally. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that is a perfect segue. Um, yay, so, me. yay. <laughs> always set me up. Thank you. Um, so I, I did a quick Google search and uh, I found a Wikipedia that um, talk, talks about business agility. And one of the lines in there uh, really correlates and drives home what you just said. So the line is, in a business context, agility is the ability of an organization to rapidly adapt to market and environmental changes in productive and cost-effective ways. Mm, yep, absolutely. And, you know, hey, let me throw just, you know, a curveball here today. Mm-hmm. We'll focus on business agility. I'll, I'll, I'll answer the questions you ask, whatever it is that you ask me. But I think we can abstract it one more layer and talk about organizational agility here mm-hmm. so that we can think, all right, well, how does this apply to the family dynamic? How does this apply to the whatever other kind of organization that we're involved with, you know, a group of people working yeah. together to a particular end? Absolutely. I mean, because if you, if, you, if you, you know, break that sentence down, I mean, what you're really focused on is the market. 
mm-hmm. and environmental changes. Mm-hmm. And then how do you how do you respond to those things in a productive and cost effective ways way? Yeah. So absolutely. you th- you think about um, I mean COVID obviously it's mm-hmm. been a year now a little over a, it's been over a year oh my gosh it's been yeah, over a year it has well well over a year um, that we as um, a world. <laughs> we have all been dealing with um, the effects of COVID. Absolutely. And you think about the way that companies such as our own um, and, and many, many others have had to um, rapidly adapt to mm-hmm. those environmental changes um, in a productive and cost-effective way. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting that you you bring this up. It, it's obviously very, very timely given the where we're at with dealing with this pandemic and, and all those kinds of things. But not because anybody sat down and said, you know what, I think if we adopted an agile mindset that it would really help us target and, and deal with this this disease, this, this right. pandemic that we're dealing with here. But, but if you look back on it, there were a lot of situations where just because there was no other option, the government, industry, all yeah. had to pivot very quickly. They would yeah. go down a direction. They'd find out it wasn't working. They'd go down a different direction. No one had the time to say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take three to five years to study the genetics of all <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then we're going to, you know, <laughs> prototype something. And we're going to take a year to figure out if that proto, you know. No, it's like, yeah. get something as fast as we possibly can for the good of humanity and get it out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you think about, um, you know, yes, that is exactly how that worked as far as, you know, getting things out there quickly. Mm-hmm. But what they what they did do was uh, take information from research that was already being conducted, mm-hmm. like the mRNA research, for example. Yep. And, and no, I'm not a scientist, so don't quote me on any of this. But. <laughs> how many times in our podcast do we have to say, no, no, we're not an X, but we play one on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I am Wolverine, so... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I will right. stake claim on that. No, I wish I was. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what they did do was they really uh, honed in on the mm-hmm. things that were already existing, right? Mm-hmm. So even, I mean, taking it back to, you know, our, our, our company um, that we work for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they had to find a way for all of us to continually work mm-hmm. and get our jobs done. And so what what they did was invested in ways for us to be able to do that, you know, making yep. sure we have working laptops and monitors and mm-hmm. keyboards and, you know, uh, making sure that we have the, you know, whatever uh, software tool we need to be able to communicate with each other. Um, and, and, and many other companies had to do the same things. Absolutely. And it wasn't necessarily perfect, you know, <laughs> You know, I'd like to say something, but I won't. Uh, It wasn't necessarily (laughs) perfect when we got started. Oh, yeah, I know. That was bad. Anyway, but little by little, we have gotten better over time. We have improved the tools. We have improved uh, cultural aspects necessary in order to be able to do remote work, to be able to be as effective as we were when we were meeting in offices with each other uh, physically. And and so... uh, we sort of, as a society, just dumb lucked ourselves into an agile approach to dealing with this thing yeah. because we didn't have another choice. But maybe we can learn some things from this and we can apply this to other things that we need to solve as a society that may not necessarily be as dramatic or as poignant, but still nonetheless is important. You know, that's a really interesting uh, concept that you were kind of alluding to there, which is um, it is through the um, force of change. You know, it it is Mm -hmm. because of this large disruption Mm -hmm. that you were literally forced to be agile. 
And if you think about that, um, I've, I've read a lot of articles about companies that move to agile and, and, you know, the, the question that most people ask is like, well, why, why do you, why do you want to move to a more, um, you know, business agility, Mm -hmm. uh, framework? Right. Well, Well, that's a good question, right? Um, so let me put you on the spot, agile coach. Uh, (laughs) What do you tell executive leadership when they say, why should we be agile? What's, what's the reason? And that, and that's exactly, so the, the, uh, the quote, I don't have it up in front of me and I, I can find it, but, um, I'll, I'll give it to you so you can put it in our notes of the podcast. But, Excellent. um, the, the quote is something along the lines of you paint the picture, uh, of the fire, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you really outline why it's necessary, why it's absolutely pertinent mm-hmm. that you move to an agile world. So it's, it's having an understanding of the current chaos, right? Yep. So, you know, things are on fire and things aren't being tested and bad codes going to production, um, you know, whatever, whatever that picture is. And through agile, we can resolve these things because right. of these, you know, it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. laying it all out for you. Here's yeah. the issue. We can resolve it. This is how. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's dead on maybe boiling it down just from my perspective, it's all about not missing windows of opportunity. I think that's the principal reason why we we do the kinds of uh, agile approaches that we have. To give you an illustration from early on in my career, and I'm so far distanced from being a part of the company that I don't think it's a problem to share this anymore. Uh, years and years and years ago, I worked for America Online. Yes, I know you're too young to know what that is. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, AOL. Yeah, oh, okay. AOL, yeah, AOL, <laughs> exactly. And I was a part of a team. It was really fun, but I was a part of a team that was building out an internal platform that was basically going to be the equivalent of an iTunes that Apple uh, was developing. And Apple already had iTunes out there, but it wasn't the dominant force that it would eventually become. When I was with AOL, I remember that we worked really, really hard and we were developing it through an old school waterfall approach. And when we did that, uh, we would take like six, nine months to come up with all the requirements. And I remember like hundreds of pages, you know. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, I remember yeah. those. I mean, I didn't work at AOL, but I remember yeah. those. 1.1.1.1 1. 1. 1. 1 oh. relates to 1.1.1.2, 1. <laughs> 1. 1. you know, and, and all those those types of things. It So six, nine months doing that. Then we prototype for another six, nine months. And then we start building the thing out. And that's going to take another year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. You know what happened? By the time we had something, and technologically, what we ultimately developed was viable, but we missed the window of opportunity. And that's where societally, organizationally, personally, we don't want to miss the window of opportunity because we're so stuck in analysis or paralysis through analysis that we can't yeah. make progress. Yeah, you know, Aaron, I uh, I think one of the one of the terms that I've used enough that now I hear you using it too is the J B G E, which mm-hmm. is I just barely good enough. You know, and that's and that is what agile focuses on is right. how do you do something just barely good enough? You know, right. people ask me like, well, how do we in agile uh, ensure that we're meeting audit requirements? I'm like, mm-hmm. well, what's the bare minimum for those audit requirements? Right. What do they actually need? Do they need the document that's 75 pages or do they just need to be able to get into whatever system we have our work tracked in and to be able to view it? 
right. know what I mean? Really digging into that. And so, you know, like just back with the COVID stuff, just barely good enough. You know, we, we tried to quickly get vaccines and things out for people mm-hmm. um, and, you know, in, in the business world and making sure that we're adapting. You know, we got conference material out. We got laptops out. They weren't the best, but it was just barely good enough. Well, <laughs> there was a period of time when there was uh, a paucity of respirators out there and hospitals yeah. weren't able to deal with uh, the oxygen problems that people were having where creative people motivated by extreme circumstances figured out how do you take one respirator and make it so that two people or even four people were able to use it at the same time. No one would have ever suggested that we hack the respirator, you know, previously because we had everything we needed, but until we didn't. So it, it required an agile approach. And, you know, I think one of the concepts within agile that, that makes me love it so much is the innovation piece. Because it really forces people to be innovative. Because like you said, whenever you have everything you need, there's no reason to be innovative. You right. know, you have your you have your espresso maker, you have your coffee maker, you have your tea maker. And, and you know, really, lo and behold, you could do all the same things in one machine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and going back to the just barely good enough, uh, I think there's some things that we can plumb out of that concept there. Uh, I, it sounds counterintuitive to people. When, when they first hear that concept of, of just barely good enough. Right. And, and beyond that, I think that there's an implication that people unnecessarily apply that just barely good enough means that that's as far as something is going to advance. It's as good oh, as it's going to yeah. get. And right. it's not, right? We just need it to be just barely good enough for right now to do yeah. what it has to do at the moment. That doesn't mean we won't make it better as, right. as we move forward, right? And so there's there's... I think the concept, the, the the principle there, just barely good enough, is is awesome. It just has to be rightly understood and applied to the work that we're doing. Yeah, just barely good enough for this iteration, for this time frame, for this exactly period, right? right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and and people were are you know that that brings up the the old expression, well, you know, don't try to boil the ocean, right? You know, we're mm, going to try yeah. to do everything up front. Uh, yeah. No, we we don't need to do that. We just, and in fact, uh, I think one of the reasons why a lot of projects or, or personal goals and objectives fail is that we get stuck uh, in, in this concept that I have to anticipate every potential eventuality that will ever come. And then yeah. I have to solve for all of those eventualities before I even begin on things. And so then we never get out of the gate. And, and you know, you, you bring up a great point because I think that's where people um, often, often have a misconception that agile means you don't plan. Mm-hmm. And right, so it's, exactly. it's, it's being able to plan just barely good enough for this iteration, for this time period, for this quarter, whatever that is, right? So if I'm mm-hmm. planning um, a project or a trip or whatever those things are, mm-hmm. I plan based on what I know today. Yeah, and when that absolutely. changes, I update my plan. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and I think uh, that's exactly right. In, in the agile world, we're going to talk about backlogs. Uh, for those of you who don't spend a lot of time in that in that universe, I mean, the backlog is basically just a big to-do list. The, the yeah. key thing, though, is I don't need – so there's 100 things on my to-do list. I just need to know what the next 10 are that I'm going to work mm-hmm. on. I can yeah. populate the rest. Every time a good idea or any idea, for that matter, comes to mind, throw it on the to-do list. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. take a look at it at, at a certain point in time. We'll decide when is the right time to to go about doing that type of a thing and not worry about what is the difference in priority between item 75 and 
83 on the to-do list. If I just know what the next 10 things or the next five things that I'm going to do, that's very freeing to be able to accomplish and then make changes, right? Because I'm also not locked in. Uh, I might, these five things I'm going to try to work on over the next two weeks, over the next month or the next quarter, whatever it is. Great. Uh, But the rest of them are just ideas at this point until we get to them and decide that they are the priorities. Right, which is kind of the difference between like a, like a vision versus a roadmap, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, each layer you get a, an an abstraction, right? So at the backlog layer, you have the hundred items, the hundred to do items that I'm going to work on, and then when okay, for those of you who might be practicing Scrum or are familiar with Scrum, you've got the next. 10 are the ones that we've locked in and said, okay, in this sprint, we're going to do those particular things. But I've not locked in the order uh, of anything below that. Then you get up to the roadmap so that you can have a better picture over the relative near term, you know, the one, maybe two or even three year kind of a time frame. but it gets more and more vague and, and, and less and less defined as you work yourself out. And then finally you get to that vision concept. That's just like directionally um, go North. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. that that's not really telling me what I have to do and when I have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing that I keep uh, kind of tossing around in my mind is, um, you know, when it comes to business agility and we're talking about organizations, what would you say um, are some of the things that companies have done that you've seen, you've read about, mm-hmm. you've seen in the news, you know, whatever, that companies have done that have really made them um, respond to the rapid market changes or environmental changes um, in, a, in a productive and cost-effective way? Go out of business. <laughs> <laughs> like Blockbuster? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we, we look at some of the, well, there's no question that we live in an age of disruption. <clears throat> there's all kinds of companies, more so, it's always been this way, but with greater frequency now than maybe previously, companies going out of business because uh, a new company comes in and they... Yeah. Uh, they disrupt the industry, the sector where somebody is at. And then, you know, the fear that goes through that and everybody goes, oh, we don't want to be Blockbuster. We don't want to mm-hmm. go out of business or yeah. uh, Circuit City or, or whoever the other companies are that that failed to adapt. Oh, my goodness, uh, Kodak, they're still here. Uh, and they're looking at different things that they could do. In fact, recently they were looking at getting involved in uh, pharmaceuticals and good on them. You know, hopefully they'll huh. they'll have a future there. But they totally missed the digital transformation when it came from film to, to digital cameras. And so yeah. that, that drives a lot. Yeah. And I guess, you know, how do you as as a as a you know person in your you know personal life, um, and also how do you as an organization, how do you how do you stay in tune with that? Mm-hmm. Personally what I would say is I'm trying to look at all of the lessons that I can possibly discern over the course of the lifetime that I've had and whatever else may be changing uh, at the moment and figure out how do I apply those lessons now? Like, I don't want to be the guy who post-retirement sitting in the rocking chair on the front porch or even <laughs> to be a little bit more dark, you know, on my deathbed, whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Uh, you don't want to look back over the course of that lifetime and go, wow, there's so many things uh, that I would have done completely differently if I had just stopped to think, to process, to apply those mm. those kind of concepts. Not that there's not anything that we wouldn't do differently. And part of those are the lessons that we learn that get us to, to where we're at at the moment. But I really am always trying to learn from everything that is happening historically and presently so that I can continuously make those those course corrections like we talked about in one of our first podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you bring up a good point as as just 
kind of just being present and being aware, you know, mm -hmm. being aware of what's going on around you. Because if you're not aware, then you can't, um, you know, really predict or even feel those market and environmental changes because you're not paying attention. Yeah. If you're going to approach life as factory style, uh, you know, punch the clock, turn the wrench, yeah. push the bolt, whatever those things are, just wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. I think these concepts are going to be very difficult to apply personally yeah. or professionally. But if you'd like a life that can continually grow and uh, bring greater value to yourself, to your family, to the company that you work for, the organization that you're involved with, these are the kind of principles uh, that we need to learn from uh, and begin to adopt. Yeah, absolutely. And what would you say uh, from your experience would be some major pitfalls? Like why why did Blockbuster and, and Kodak, why did they not pay attention? What 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 do you what would you say was their downfall? There's a couple of things, and you know, I'm not gonna apply these specifically to Blockbuster because I haven't done any research to know if these were the reasons, but I have a pretty good idea just based on other companies that I've seen that couple things. One is the awareness thing that you just talked about. So if you're just sort of blindly unaware of the fact that everything is changing around you, then you're going to have a problem. You're not going to be able to make good decisions, uh, right. which is going to prevent you from innovating and, and adapting and, and so on and so forth. The other thing that I think might be the flip side of the same coin is resistance to change. There are mm. plenty of people out there that are fully aware of the fact that uh, the world is changing, companies yeah. are changing, everything is changing. And yet, because of that inherent fear that we tend to have about change, that many of us have about change, we're just going to sort of stick our head in the sands and hope, hope, hope it just all goes away when, when we pull our head up and, and it won't and it doesn't. And so we have to be aware of the change and then we have to be willing to embrace the change, which of course is one of the core elements, uh, the core principles of Agile. Right. You know, you, um, you said resistance and I, I was trying to think through my, in my head while you were mentioning mm -hmm. that. Do you feel that kind of folds into what we were talking about earlier about um, maybe not feeling the need to change? Maybe mm -hmm. you're resistant because you don't really fully see the need. Yeah, I think that um, not seeing it, uh, not noticing it, that is, uh, is a big factor. And then there's just a comfort that comes along with doing things yeah. in the same pattern over and over again. And obviously, you can get into a situation where there's too much change, too fast, things along those lines. Yep. But we, we as human beings tend to just always go to one polar opposite of the other. So we're either going to be all change or no change. And the happy medium, the happy middle ground is usually where the healthy uh, lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you've said this on another, po on another podcast, so I'll kind of bring it in here too. But in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, if I want to be successful in business and I mean, in my personal life and, and you know, uh, bring in this concept of adapting to changes, um, it might be helpful to have, you know, a mentor or a friend mm -hmm. or um, a trusted colleague, somebody that you're you're turning to to discuss these things with uh, before you make changes or don't make changes. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100 percent. I. I have been uh, very fortunate in my life to have people who have been able to help me make those changes to go down a slightly different path or just move the degree to which I'm doing things. And that's been really, really helpful. I also think that 
at a certain point, though, it becomes important to move from the philosophical to the tactical. We have to start putting these things into practice and start examining, okay, what is it that I'm doing that's actually operating in a manner that is contradictory to the concept that I want to do here? I want mm-hmm. to be more adaptable. But I, I might, if I don't change certain behaviors, then it's, uh, it's, it's not going to work. And, and we certainly see this in corporate America, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, in ourselves too, and, and just, you know, um, maybe not being aware of those behaviors mm-hmm. or, or response patterns or, you know, whatever that be in our life, um, which again, kind of solidifies having people who can speak frankly with mm-hmm. you um, and call those things out is, is really important. So it really is. And to do this, you know, the scope, uh, the size of the organization, I mean, again, all the way down from the individual relationship to the family, all the way up to the company, the big company, the government, whatever context you're, you're working in here, uh, has got to work together a, as a unit, whatever that is, whatever unit that is, in, in order to be able to apply these things. So a good example oftentimes is budgeting. Mm-hmm. If we say, well, you know what, we're going to be agile in our approach so that we can pivot from this to that because the market conditions are changing and we need to be able to uh, go where the market is leading us, that's great. But if we have written a three-year budget and we have locked down exactly what we're going to do quarter by quarter or month by month over that period of time and the dollars are specifically tied to the activities which get more and more unlikely the further you get out because you're making assumptions beyond what you can see on the event horizon, Mm -hmm. then that's not going to work. Well, okay, great. Except there are classical traditional practices of budgeting and finance in corporations. And if those don't evolve, then it doesn't matter how agile the team is, whether they're in IT or uh, HR or or anything else, they're going to struggle to be able to truly carry out uh, all the change that they might want to do. Yeah, that's a really, really great point. I mean, bringing this back again to COVID, I remember um, I I have two younger kids that are uh, still Mm -hmm. in school. And, um, you know, at the beginning of this, I remember uh, the schools having a hard time figuring out how they were going to fund the iPads and laptops uh, for the schools that that don't have those, right? Right. Uh, My my kids were in the Seattle school district and Mm -hmm. um, they don't have the highest funding um, compared to some other areas. So um, that's a great point because it's not just maybe your inability or, um, you know, your vision that's off. It could simply be a funding issue. Yeah, absolutely. And how you approach it. There is a funding aspect of like, do we have the money to do this or not do it? But there's also the aspect of, are we being rigid with the way that we approach Mm. the funding? And, you know, if you have rigidity in planning or rigidity in funding or a variety of other things, then it's going to ultimately uh, erode the base that's necessary in order to uh, adopt the principles, you know, that we're laying out here. And so far too often companies or maybe people with regard to personal coaches and things like that, we go and we reach out and we get this consulting that comes in and we get the equivalent of a nice three ring binder with a a glossy cover on it. And they tell us exactly what we should do. And conceptually, it all looks really great. And ultimately, it ends up getting put on a shelf somewhere and collects dust. We don't actually follow through because- We've not changed the underlying behaviors that are necessary in order to uh, make it real. You know, and it's it's interesting because I think um, I, I'm going to step out on a limb and say that mm-hmm. most people like to know 
like exactly what to do, right? They want to they list, they want the rules, they want the guidelines because they want to know, they want to be able to just say this is going to be successful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're talking about is kind of this like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining like a person juggling. There's, it's a juggling act mm-hmm. between um, having flexibility with a loose plan uh, that's focused on being productive and cost effective, which mm-hmm. all of those things are slightly different in their own ways. Yeah. <laughs> and and you you really have to balance uh, being flexible, but also having a loose plan. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb, be out there with you. And now we have a problem. <laughs> oh, the two of us, that's right. The two of us are standing on a limb and it is creaking. <laughs> At the risk of throwing our own podcast under the bus here, maybe this isn't for everybody. Maybe some people really can't operate outside of the security blanket of the kind of structure that uh, tradition uh, provides. And and that's okay. Uh, Maybe not everybody has to be able to operate like this. There's an extent to which leadership needs to be able to be flexible and help give the directions. I think you may be able to get both together in a business agility sense where if leadership is practicing these principles, they can move an organization um, the size of a Titanic much more efficiently than the metaphor implies. And yet they can still give some structure because as they provide leadership, direction, clarity, focus, Mm -hmm. along with flexibility to promote innovation uh, and creativity, then their people can feel comfortable in the structure, the framework that is being laid out for them. So maybe it's not either or. Maybe there's a way to be able to have both and in business agility, organizational agility. Yeah. I I mean, you know, I I agree. I I believe the same thing, but, you know, just to, I guess, um, be a pessimist for once. Oh, um, come on. You're the happy, shiny. (laughs) You know, here's the deal. I've been struggling with, I have these dang allergies. They've been getting Uh me down. You know, I've been sneezing. It's springtime. You know, I love Uh spring. Birds are chirping, but man, I am sneezing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So pessimist for a moment. Okay. you know, is this a reality? Like, have you have you ever really seen uh, these things come together for um, a success within a business or or even in someone's you know personal life? Hundred percent, absolutely, I've seen it happen. Uh, people, organizations, companies—they have adopted these principles. Now, we oftentimes have undue. Um, expectations uh, of what that's mm-hmm. going to look like and and how fast that's going to happen and the degree of completion. So to be just barely good enough, yeah. we feel like if we can't get that hundred on the paper, you know, yeah. get that gold star, get that A plus, that it's a failure. When yeah. if you think about changing a company and, and what it would mean, if you could take these principles and apply them 60%, which would be a D in in mm-hmm. most schools, you would be knocking it out of the park and beating yeah. the pants off of of your customers uh, or your competitors. And so we got to figure out how that works so that we don't allow ourselves to just lapse back into the old patterns of behavior or just a, a very negative kind of, this will never happen. It's the flavor of the month. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I've had it said to me, you know, oh, well, this is the flavor of the month. I'm just, I'll be here when the rest of you come back and we're doing things yeah. that we always have. Type of yeah. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Aaron, I, I mean, I, I knew your response was was going to be as such. And, and truly, I don't feel that way. I know this is, I know, I know that know. agility, I know business agility, I know, I know these concepts that we talk about, and we um, believe so highly in, mm-hmm. I know that they can, um, 
drastically change uh, the face and, and value of an organization, but also in your in your personal life, um, the way that you approach yep. relationships and, and all, all things. Um, and, you know, today, I, I hope, um, kind of in closing, um, I hope that uh, you, the listeners, uh, you have taken away something that was beneficial uh, in regard to business agility and uh, agility in in general, Um, and just to kind of redefine that. um, So agility, once again, is the ability of an organization or person to uh, rapidly adapt to market and environmental changes in a productive and cost-effective way. Mm -hmm. So I thank you. I for your time. Something. Yeah, I did too. I did too. You know, it's interesting because sometimes I go into these podcasts, Aaron, and I, I think I know what I know. And then we start talking and I'm like, wow, that, that was a really interesting spin. So I, I really do thank you for the conversation that you have. Call me the me. spin meister. Yeah. <laughs> DJ Spincraft. That's right. That's the one. Double A Ron, uh, spin meister. Double A Ron. Yes. Oh, I love that skit. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, thank you. Thank you again, Aaron. Thank you to the listeners. And until next time, have a great and uh, agilely productive week. Is that a word? Yeah. Agilely? Agilely. Well, we're agile. We can just make things up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. Until next time, have a good one. Bye-bye.